إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله We've now reached the hadith number 19 عن أبي العباس عبد الله ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال كنت خلف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال عبد الله ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما says that I was behind the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم and he said يا غلام إني أعلمك كلمات He said, oh boy, I will teach you some words احفظ الله يحفظك Guard over the rights of Allah and Allah will guard you احفظ الله تجده تجاهك Guard and protect the rights of Allah and you will find Allah in your direction إذا سألت فاسأل الله if you ask, then ask from Allah. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِمْ بِاللَّهِ And if you seek aid and assistance, then seek it from Allah. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ And know that if all of the ummah, if all of the ummah, was to come together to benefit you with something, then they would not be able to benefit you with it or with anything unless it was written by Allah for you, unless Allah had decreed it for you. وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَذُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَذُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ and if all of the ummah got together to harm you with something, then know that they could not harm you except by something that Allah has decreed upon you. رُفِعَتِ الْأَقْلَامِ وَجَفَّتِ السُّحُفِ The pens have been raised and the papers have become dry. رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح وفي رواية غير الترمذي in another narration of the same hadith احفظ الله تجده أمامك God over the rights of Allah and you will find him in front of you تعرف إلى الله في الرخاء يعرفك في الشدة be acquainted with Allah in times of ease and you will be known or Allah will be with you at the time of difficulty. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ مَا أَخْطَأَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ And know that if something does not occur, something passes you by, something you wished for but it didn't occur, لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ Then if that was the case, that something was 
not to occur to you, لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ Then you would not be able to have that. وَمَا أَصَابَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُخْتِئَكَ And something which occurs to you, then there's no way that it could have not occurred to you. Meaning this is the decree of Allah. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ وَأَنَّ الْفَرَجَ مَعَ الْكَرْبِ وَأَنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا I know that victory comes with patience and that ease comes from the difficulty. وَأَنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا That the ease comes from the hardship. Shaykh Al-Fawzan says regarding this narration now to understand it. هذا الحديث عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما This hadith is narrated from Ibn Abbas. Abdullah ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما ابن عم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنا Abdullah ibn Abbas Abdullah رضي الله عنهما was the son of the uncle of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم The uncle of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was Al-Abbas Al-Abbas and the son of Al-Abbas was Abdullah. So Abdullah ibn al-Abbas radiyallahu anhuma was the son of the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَقَدْ كَانَ النَّبِيُّ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam يَدْعُوا لَهُ And it's narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would make dua for Abdullah radiyallahu anhuma. يَقُولَ اللَّهُمَّ فَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ وَعَلِّمْهُ التَّأْوِيلَ The Prophet ﷺ would make dua for Abdullah ibn Abbas, Oh Allah, give him knowledge and understanding of the religion, and give him understanding of the tafsir of the Qur'an. يَعَنِيَ التَّفْسِيرِ فَكَانَ آيَةً مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ فِي الْعِلْمِ وَفِي الْفِقْرِ So Abdullah ibn Abbas was known to be a sign from the signs of Allah in terms of his knowledge, his fiqh, his understanding. He was great from those. He was from the major companions in terms of his understanding and knowledge. وَفِي تَفْسِيرِ الْقُرْآنِ And the tafsir of the Qur'an, he had expert knowledge regarding that. حَتَّى لُقِّبَ بِتَرْجُمَانِ الْقُرْآنِ وَحَبْرِ الْأُمَّةِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهِ to the extent that he was given the title, the Tarjuman al-Qur'an, the translator or the explainer of the Qur'an. Such was his knowledge of the tafsir of the Qur'an, Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma. And he was given the title, Habrul Ummah, meaning the great scholar of this Ummah. So this was Abdullah ibn Abbas. وَكَانَ طِفْلًا صَغِيرًا فِي أَحَدِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم. And Abdullah ibn Abbas, he was very young at the time when the Prophet ﷺ was alive. He was very young at the time when he was with the Prophet ﷺ. Tuwufiya al-Rasulu ﷺ wa huwa lam yablugh al-hulm. The Prophet ﷺ died and Abdullah ibn Abbas had not reached puberty. Wa ma'a hadha a'atahu Allahu hadha al-ilm al-ghazir wa hadha al-fahm al-azim bi barakati da'awati al-Rasuli ﷺ. Despite the fact that Abdullah ibn Abbas was young at the time, when he was with the Prophet ﷺ, then Allah bestowed from His virtue and blessing upon him via the dua or from the dua that Allah allowed the Prophet 
that Abdullah ibn Abbas was given a great level of understanding and knowledge. قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. So on this one occasion when Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma was with the Prophet sallam, the Prophet sallam said to him, يَا غُلَام Oh boy, غُلَام can be used as a term, as a phrase that you use for somebody who's younger than you. So the Prophet sallam used this term to Abdullah ibn Abbas because he was so young at the time. So he said to him, Ya Ghulam. And that is a phrase in Arabic that you can use for somebody who is younger than you. وَهَذَا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى الْعِنَايَ بِالصِّغَارِ وَتَوْجِيهِهِمْ And it's a phrase or a term of endearment. That you speak in this nice manner to the child and you say, Ya Ghulam. In order that the Prophet ﷺ was now going to educate and teach Abdullah ibn Abbas certain affairs of the religion. So this indicates already from the benefits of the hadith that it's upon the elders to look after the youngsters. Those who are young, the children, then they need to be taught and they need to be looked after and they need to be given importance. Just as the Prophet ﷺ gave importance to Abdullah ibn Abbas and he spoke to him and taught him these words. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, إِنِّي أُعَلِّمُكَ كَلِمَاتِ Indeed, I will teach you some words. I will teach you some words. يَعَنِي يَصِيرَةِ Simple words, a few simple words. لَكِنَّهَا كَلِمَاتٌ جَوَامِعٌ Yet the meanings of those few simple words will be great. There will be a magnificent meaning and understanding behind them. Even though they are only a few simple words. And this was from the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ, that he would speak in those few simple words, yet they had great meanings behind them. لِأَنَّ كَلِمَاتِ الرَّسُولِ وسلم لَيْسَ كَكَلِمَاتِ غَيْرِهِ And the shaykh says, in fact, the speech of the Prophet ﷺ was not like the speech of anyone besides him. The speech of the Prophet ﷺ was not like the speech of anyone else besides him. وَهَذَا فِيهِ أَنَّ الْعِلْمَ يُؤْخَذُ شَيْئًا فَشَيْئًا يُؤْخَذُ كَلِمَاتِ يَسِيرَةً أَوَّلَ شَيْءٍ ثُمَّ يَمُّ وَيَزْدَادُ وَلَيْسَ يُؤْخَذُ الْعِلْمُ دَفْعَةً وَاحِدًا Also this indicates, the Shaykh says, Shaykh Al-Fawzan, حَفِظَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى That knowledge is taken in small steps. Here the Prophet ﷺ said to Abdullah ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما I will teach you some simple words, a few simple words, a few simple points with meanings to them. The Prophet ﷺ didn't say, I'll teach you everything in one go. This indicates the methodology of learning, that a person learns a few words, simple things, time at a time, one by one, until he builds up to the greater affairs. Not that an individual attempts to gain all of the knowledge in one go. As they used to say, مَنْ رَامَ الْعِلْمَ جُمْلَةً ذَهَبَ عَنْهُ جُمْلَةً Whoever tries to seek knowledge all in one go, then it will disappear from him all in one go. If you try to learn everything quickly overnight, then just like that very quickly you'll forget it all because you didn't learn it properly, didn't memorize it properly. So here the Prophet ﷺ said, I'll teach you a few words, indicating that it's bit by bit. 
Learn a few, then learn a few more afterwards, learn some more things afterwards. And that's how it increases and builds the knowledge that a person builds in stages and in steps, section by section, learning the fundamentals, learning the principles, learning the usul of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, understanding the basics of Tawheed, understanding the basics of Aqeedah, and slowly building up their knowledge of the religion until they then have or are able to continue in that seeking of knowledge at a greater level. So the Prophet ﷺ said, إِحْفَظِ اللَّهَ يَحْفَظْكَ إِحْفَظِ اللَّهَ Meaning God, the rights of Allah. This was the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. God over the rights of Allah. يَعْنِي إِحْفَظْ دِينَهُ Meaning God and protect the religion of Allah. How? أَيْ إِحْفَظَ اللَّهَ بِفِعْلِ أَوَامِرِهِ وَتَرْكِ نَوَاهِهِ Protect and guard over the religion of Allah. How? By fulfilling the obligations and abstaining from the prohibitions. وَحْفَظْ مَحَارِمَ اللَّهِ بِاجْتِنَابِهَا And guard over and protect in terms of the haram things. Meaning, protect yourselves and guard yourselves from falling into the haram things. Protect yourselves and the religion so that you do not fall into the haram. So here this is what the Prophet ﷺ was saying. God over the rights of Allah. God over the religion. In terms of practicing and fulfilling that which Allah has commanded us. And abstaining and staying away from that which Allah has prohibited us from. Guard over and protect the rights of Allah. لِأَنَّ اللَّهَ جَلَّ وَعَلَى لَا يَحْتَاجُ إِلَى حِفْظٍ هُوَ الَّذِي يَحْفَظُ النَّاسِ وَيَحْفَظُ الْخَلْقَ وَالْكَوْنِ إِنَّمَا الْمُرَادُ أَنَّهُ يَحْفَظُ دِينَ اللَّهِ جَلَّ وَعَلَى So in this narration where it says, إِحْفَظِ اللَّهِ It does not mean guard over Allah and protect Allah. Allah is not in need of our protection and our guardianship. Rather Allah is the one who protects us and guards us. So the wording here, the meaning of it is, God over the rights of Allah, the religion of Allah. That's the meaning here, the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. So whoever does that, whoever guards over the religion of Allah, whoever fulfills the obediences and stays away from the prohibitions, the sins, the evil doing, the shirk at the head of them, the bid'ah, the wrongdoing, the sins and the oppression, the innovation, a person stays away from those affairs, restricts himself to the religion of Allah, then the Prophet ﷺ said what? يَحْفَظْكَ Then Allah will guard you and protect you. If you guard over the rights of Allah, the religion, then Allah will guard over you and protect you. فَهُوَ جَزَاء This is the reward you get. This is the recompense. وَالْجَزَاءُ مِنْ جِنْسِ الْعَمَلِ and the reward or the recompense you get, it is in relation to or from the same type of act that you did. So because you guarded and protected over the rights of Allah, the religion of Allah, then similarly Allah guards and protects over you. As a consequence of your obedience, فَإِذَا حَفِظْتَ اللَّهِ فَإِذَا حَفِظْتَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَحْفَظُكَ مِمَّا تَكْرَهُ فِي دِينِكَ وَدُنْيَاكَ 
So if you guard over the rights of Allah, then Allah will guard you in terms of protecting you from that which you dislike. Allah will protect you from that which you dislike in your religion and in your worldly affairs. And this is important. This is a magnificent hadith that a person who guards over the rights of Allah, then Allah guards you, protects you from the evils that you do not wish to occur to you. Protects you from the evils and the wrongs and those affairs that you dislike to occur to you in your religion and in your worldly affairs. Allah protects you and guards you from them. If you are a person who protects and guards the rights of Allah, if you are a person who protects and guards the rights of Allah, the religion, the religion of Tawheed, then as a consequence of that obedience, Allah gives that individual guardianship and protection. Then it mentions, فَهَذِهِ ثَمَرَةُ حِفْظِ اللَّهِ وَحِفْظِ أَوَامِرِهِ وَنَوَاهِهِ These are the fruits that you reap from having being obedient to Allah and sticking and clinging to the obedience and worship and staying away and abstaining from the sinning. The fruits that you reap are that Allah then protects you. That is from the greatness of this religion. The recompense and the reward Allah gives an individual who practices the religion in the proper and correct manner. And perhaps this is why Shaykh Al-Athameen and the scholars, they mentioned, if some evil occurs to you, then look to your own hands. Look at what you have earned for yourself. Are you an individual who is guarding over the rights of Allah? Are you an individual who is preserving the religion and practicing it as it should be? If you are not of those characteristics and then evil comes to you, then as the scholars they say, look to what you have earned for yourself. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned, when calamities befall you, calamities and disasters and difficulties, they overcome you. Then look to what you are doing yourself and your own actions as a starter. Rather than looking at what that one did and what this one did and the oppression was from here and the oppression was from there. But you look at your own self. So here we see the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. Guard over the rights of Allah and Allah will guard you. So a person must consider what he is upon himself in terms of obedience. And in terms of staying away from the disobedience. And that is something that reflects in his actions and his behaviors. And also what is mentioned here about Allah guarding that individual. ثُمَّ قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ اِحْفَظِ اللَّهُ Then the Prophet ﷺ, he repeated it again. Guard over the rights of Allah. Protect over the rights of Allah, the religion. That which Allah has created you for. Guard over those rights. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned it again. To emphasize it. تَجِدْهُ تُجَاهَكَ then it is mentioned in this narration and the other narration, Tajidhu Amamaka, that you will find Allah in front of you. Guard over the rights of Allah, protect over the religion, and you will find Allah in front of you. What does that mean? Bima'ana anna Allah jalla wa ala qareebun min ibadihi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that Allah is close to his servants. Allah is close to his servants. And this is something that you study in greater detail within Aqeedah. We know that the position of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that Allah is above, above the seven heavens, 
above all of creation, separate and distinct from creation. Allah is not a part of this creation. We are not all and one the same thing, the Creator and the Created. Rather, Allah is above all of creation, separate and distinct. Yet, despite that, Allah is close to the servants. Allah is close to the servants. And this is mentioned in the Aqeedah. That Allah is close to the servants in terms of aiding and supporting and guarding and protecting the believers. As an example, which is what Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentions here also now. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is close to his servants. وَأَيْضًا هُوَ جَلَّ وَعَلَى يُبَادِرُ إِلَى مَثُوبَةِ عِبَادِهِ Similarly, when it mentions here that if you guard over and protect the rights of Allah, you'll find Allah in front of you. Meaning, that also from amongst the greatness of you guarding over the religion is, that the reward will be upon the path. The reward will be coming to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a consequence of that obedience. بمعنى أن الله يبادر سبحانه يبادر بالإثابة لمن أطاعه meaning that Allah gives the reward gives the reward quickly to that individual who is upon obedience and guarding and protecting the rights of Allah so here we have two benefits so far we have two benefits firstly that the one who guards over and protects the rights of Allah and the religion practices properly, then Allah will guard and protect him. Secondly, that you will find Allah close to you. The aid and support and the victory of Allah to the believers and the reward of Allah. Then all of this is mentioned from the benefits of a person who guards and protects over the religion and the rights of Allah. Then the Prophet ﷺ said thereafter, إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ If you make dua, if you ask, then ask from Allah. If you ask of anything, then ask from Allah. So if you seek something, you want something, you desire something, then ask from Allah, the virtuous, the one who bestows, the one who grants, the one who has the complete dominion and kingdom of everything to such an extent that it is mentioned that if every single one from the humans and the jinn from the beginning to the end, if all of them, لَوْ أَنَّ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ If the beginning and the end, all of the people and the jinn, mankind, everyone, they were all stood in one place, all of them from beginning to end. And every single one asked Allah for some dua, and Allah gave every single one what they wanted. It would not decrease the kingdom of Allah in any way. It would not decrease the kingdom of Allah in any way. Yet in creation, these kingdoms that they have, they are finite, they are limited. If you take out some resources from your kingdom, then it depletes your kingdom. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the mighty and majestic, His kingdom is not depleted. His kingdom is not shrunk or taken down if He gives and answers the dua of the people. So here, the shaykh says, Allah has the dominion and the kingdom of all of the affairs. So do not ask 
except that you ask from Allah, that you make your dua to Allah. However, does that mean that you're never allowed to ask anybody for anything? Does that mean you're not allowed to ask anybody else for any help with something or any favor that you need? You're never allowed to do that? What does it mean? The Shaykh explains, <coughs> if you are going to ask other than Allah, then there is one situation that maybe a person is asking other than Allah in something Maybe a person is asking uh, uh, somebody other than Allah for something that only Allah is able to give. Maybe a person asks someone other than Allah for something that only Allah could give them. So this is what then? This is shirk, major shirk. For you to ask someone else besides Allah for something that only Allah could give you. That is major shirk. The example of that, for example, the people who call upon the dead. The people who go to the graves and they call upon the dead. And they ask the dead to help them. And they ask the dead to aid them. They go and they ask the dead and they make the dua to the dead in the graves. Thinking that these dead people can help them because they say they were great imams, peers, awliya of Allah. So go to them and make your dua there. That is incorrect, it is false. This is now calling upon others besides Allah for something they cannot give you. They are deceased, they cannot hear you, they cannot aid you even if they could hear you. So this is incorrect. وَيَطْلُبُونَ مِنْهُمُ الْحَوَائِجِ The shaykh says the people go and they seek their needs from these people in the graves. فَيَأْتِ أَحَدُهُمْ عِنْدَ الْقَبْرِ وَيَقُولْ يَا فُلَانْ أَغِثْنِي يَا فُلَانْ كَذَا وَكَذَا يَا وَلِيَّ اللَّهِ أَعْطِنِي كَذَا So they go to the graves and they say, Oh you the great friend of Allah, the great imam, such and such, whoever this person they say he was from the awliya of Allah. You are from the awliya of Allah, etc. Help me with this, give me this, aid me in this, protect me from this. So they go to these awliya as they claim, and maybe some of them are not even that, and they ask for things and they make dua for things that only Allah could give them. So this dua of theirs, it is shirk, this act of theirs. The second circumstance is that perhaps an individual asks, from other than Allah, for something that this other individual is able to help and provide with. You ask from other than Allah, from another person for example, in something that they are able to help you with. That, the ruling on it is what? That's permissible. To ask somebody to help you with something which they are able to do. It's not something from the kingship of Allah that only Allah could help with, that only Allah could answer to rather. Then this is something that the humans can do. Some favor, some help. And that is permissible. فَيَجُوزُ لَكَ أَن تَسْأَلَ إِذَا احْتَجْتَ 
So it is permissible for you to ask other people if you need some help with something and they are able to help you. That is permissible. That is not shirk. لكن الأولى بالعبد أن يتعفف عن سؤال الناس. However, the Shaykh says, what is befitting and good is that the people, you try not to have to ask other people. If you can avoid having to put yourself in the situation of having to go and ask other people for aid and help and assistance, for having to put yourself in that type of position, if you can avoid it, then that's good. لِأَنَّ فِي السُّؤَالِ مَذَلَّةِ Because when you go and ask somebody, then it's as if you are putting yourself in a slightly low position. You're putting yourself in a slightly lowly position. To have to go and ask the people, I need help with this, I need that, I need this, I can't do it. I need your favor in this, I need this, I need that. Asking the people for your needs. Then it's a, it's a manner of putting yourself down somewhat. In the eyes of the people in yourself that you have to continuously keep asking people for this and for that. So if a person can avoid it, you're able to arrange that for yourself, you are able to do the affair yourself, then that's good, that's better. It is mentioned to such an extent in some narrations that the Sahaba, if their stick fell down, they wouldn't say to anybody, can you just pass me that? They'd go get it themselves. To avoid having to ask others if you can. فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهَ جَلَّ وَعَلَىٰ الْغَنِيءَ الْكَرِيمِ So if you need to ask for something, then you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just like it's mentioned, فَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ يَنْزِلُ إِلَىٰ سَمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا كُلَّ لَيْلَىٰ حِينَ يَبْقَى ثُلُثُ اللَّيْلِ الْأَخِيرِ That when there is a third of the night left, in the last third of the night, then Allah descends to the lowest heaven. And it's mentioned in the hadith, مَنْ يَسْأَلُنِي فَأَعْطِيَهُ Who is asking me, Allah says, and I'll give it to him. مَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُنِي فَأَغْفِرَ who is seeking my forgiveness and I'll give them the forgiveness. So Allah descends to the lowest heaven in the last third of the night and says, who is seeking my aid, who is seeking my dua, who is asking for anything, and I will answer that dua, I will repent upon them. Similarly in the Quran, Allah says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ الْعِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبُ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِي إِذَا دَعَانَ I answer to the call of the one who makes dua to me. So all of this indicates that the dua is to Allah alone. Then after that, the Prophet ﷺ also said, وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ If you seek aid and assistance, then seek that from Allah. قَالَ تَعَالَى And that is something that you recite in Surah Al-Fatiha, in every raka'ah. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُوا وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You alone we worship and you alone we seek aid and assistance from. So here the Prophet ﷺ says, if you seek this aid and assistance, then seek it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that seeking of aid and assistance is an act of worshipping of itself. وَالْإِسْتِعَانَ مِثْلُ السُّؤَالِ إِذَا كَانَتِ الْإِسْتِعَانَةُ بِالْمَخْلُوقِ فِيمَا لَا يَقْدِرُ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَهِيَ شِرْكٌ أَكْبَرُ وَإِنْ كَانَتِ الْإِسْتِعَانَةُ بِالْمَخْلُوقِ فِي شَيْءٍ يَقْدِرُ عَلَيْهِ so seeking aid and assistance, it's similar. If you are seeking aid and assistance from other than Allah, in something which only Allah could help you with, then that is shirk. But if you seek from the people to aid and assist you in an affair that they can aid and assist you in, then that is permissible. And again, if you're able to avoid that, it's better. If you're able to be self-sufficient and not have to ask the people, then that's good. That's a better way.
Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ That if all of the creation they were to come together, if all of the ummah, all of the creation they were to come together, عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ To benefit you with something, then they would not be able to do so except بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ Except by way of something that Allah has already written for you, decreed for you. Meaning, if it is not decreed for you, then even if all of the people came together to do it for you, they would not be able to do so. And similarly, that if all of the creation, they got together to harm you with something, if that was not something that Allah had decreed upon you, they would not be able to do so. If all of them came together and they plotted and they planned, if it was not decreed against you, then that would not occur to you. This is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the people are not able to benefit you or harm you. Other than what is in the decree of Allah. The decree of Allah that Allah decreed 50,000 years before the creation. Allah wrote down the decree of all of the creation, all of everything. قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةِ Before Allah created the heavens and the earth by 50,000 years, وَكَانَ عَرْشُهُ عَلْمًا And the throne was above the water. So this is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we believe that no individual is able to harm you, no individual is able to benefit you other than what is already prescribed in the decree of Allah. And even if all of them, they gather together to harm you or to benefit you, then they would not be able to do so unless it was in the decree of Allah. So a person does not fear. Rather, his fear is in Allah. His trust is in Allah. His dependence is in Allah. Not like some of the people now, they become depressed and they become in a state of anxiety. What's going to happen? What are they going to do? And what's he going to do? And they become in a state of anxiety and depression. This is not the way. A person realizes the decree of Allah. Nothing will occur unless it is decreed. Unless it is decreed. And the people cannot harm you outside of that. Then it says, ثُمَّ قَال The Prophet ﷺ said, رُفِعَتِ الْأَقْلَامِ وَجَفَّتِ الصُّحُفِ The pens have been raised and the papers are dry. Meaning that the decree has been written now. The decree has been written. And it does not change now. It will not be changed now. The decree that Allah has decreed now, that does not change. So this indicates our iman in the decree of Allah. أَنَّهُ يُؤْمِنُ بِالْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدْرِ فَإِذَا آمَنَ الْعَبْدُ بِالْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدْرِ فَإِنَّهُ يَسْتَغْنِي بِاللَّهِ عَنْ سُؤَالِ النَّاسِ وَعَنْ الْإِسْتِعَانَةِ بِالنَّاسِ فِي الْغَالِبِ So this indicates that a person who has his trust in Allah, and he understands the decree, and that nothing can occur to him, good or bad, unless it is in the decree of Allah, then that person will also, it will help him to have his trust in Allah further, and help him to suffice from the needs of the people. So asking the people, suffice in of himself. This will help him if he realizes the decree and how Allah has prescribed all of the affairs for you and all of that is written. And yet the servant, as we mentioned before, has a choice in what they do. 
The decree has rewritten, that does not mean that we are compelled. In case somebody says, if it's all written, then why is it somebody's fault if they end up in the hellfire? It was written he was going to do shirk and sins. No. It was written, however the servants, they have a choice in their actions. And Allah told us that, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ You do not will to do something except that Allah wills it first. So we have a choice in what we do. However, Allah is aware of the choices we are going to make. Allah has written the decree. He already knows what choices we're going to make. But we are the ones who make those choices. So it cannot be said that we are compelled. If somebody comes along and they do a sin, they say, well, it was decreed I was going to do this sin. That is incorrect and that is false from the people of innovation to make that argument. Similarly, in the second narration, it mentioned that if you uh, guard over the rights of Allah in the times of ease, when you're relaxing and comfortable, then when the times of difficulty come, then you'll find Allah in your guardianship, in your protection. You will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aids you in those times of difficulty if you indeed protect and guard and look after the rights of Allah in times of relaxation. Because again we see that for some other people in times of relaxation and ease, then their worship to Allah is forgotten. And only in times of difficulty, then all of a sudden, they turn to Allah and they pray and they make dua. Rather a person, he is constant upon his worship. In times of ease, in times of difficulty. So guard over the rights of Allah in the times of ease, and do not allow the shaitan to whisper to you in those times of ease and relaxation, so that you become negligent. Rather you become, or rather you stay, and remain firm upon the worship in those times. And if a time comes where difficulty arises upon you, then you will find that Allah aids you in that affair. This is what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned as an advice to Ibn Abbas. And that is an advice to Ibn Abbas and to all of us thereafter. Similarly, towards the end of the narration, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ Know that victory comes with patience. It comes with patience. Success comes with patience. So, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ الْإِنسَانُ يُبْتَلَى فِي هَذِي الْحَيَاءِ A person is tested in this life. We are all tested in this life. الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لَيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا Allah is the one who created the life and death. Created the death and life to test you, to test you who of you is the best in actions. So we are tested and there is no doubt regarding that. And perhaps sometimes things occur to us which are evil and we do not like them. Things that we consider to be hated to us. Things that we dislike and we do not want to occur to us. Those types of affairs they occur. Then when they occur, it is upon a person to demonstrate patience. Because these difficulties, they are removed eventually. They don't stay forever. The difficulties come and then they go. So a person, he needs to demonstrate patience at the time when those difficulties, they confront him. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes those difficulties from him. A person has the patience in Allah at the time of the difficulty. Has patience and makes dua and persists upon worship until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes that difficulty from the individual. وَأَنَّ الْفَرَجَ مَعَ الْكَرْبِ And that the escape or the ease to take you out of that difficulty, it comes from being initially in a state of that difficulty. 
And this is mentioned in the Quran, فَإِنَّ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا That indeed with the difficulty comes the ease. إِنَّ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا Indeed with the difficulty comes the ease. So similarly, in that situation then, when a difficulty occurs, this hadith indicates that a person, he should not become in a state of depression or anxiety. He should not be in this way. Al-Sheikh Al-Fawzan says, therefore a person should never allow the situation to overcome him. Never allow the situation to overcome you and to put you in a state of depression and anxiety. Never to put you in that way. وَلَا يَقْنَطْ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ And don't become despondent from the mercy of Allah. Don't consider that the mercy of Allah will not come. وَأَنْ يَتَوَقَّعَ الْخَيْرَ مِنَ اللَّهِ دَائِمًا وَأَبَدًا But rather, even in the times of difficulty, you always hope for goodness. You always hope that Allah will remove this difficulty and some goodness will come thereafter. وَلَيْسَ هُنَاكَ أَحَدٌ فِي هَذِي الدُّنْيَا سَالِمٌ And there's nobody in this world who is safe, that they never have any difficulty come to them. بَلْ لَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَحْصُلَ عَلَيْهِ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الْبَلَاءِ But rather everybody has some type of difficulty or test that comes to them. Because as the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ بَلَاءً الْأَنْبِيَا ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلْ فَالْأَمْثَلْ The most tested of the people are the Prophets. Then those who are most similar to them, then those who are most similar to them. فَعَلَيْهِ أَنْ يُقَابِلَ هَذِي الْأُمُورِ بِالصَّبْرِ So it's upon a person to face these difficulties with patience. فَإِنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ Because indeed victory and success it comes through patience. And this is exactly what Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned. He mentioned regarding the individual who finds himself in difficulty. That there are levels of patience you demonstrate. And perhaps one person, he doesn't demonstrate any patience. And he becomes angry, and why me, and why this, and why that? And perhaps another person, he demonstrates maybe a little more patience than that. And he remains calm. And perhaps another person, he demonstrates even more patience than that. And he thanks Allah, and he praises Allah, even in the time of difficulty. He thanks and he praises Allah and he continues upon the worship of Allah and he makes dua that Allah removes that difficulty. So a person needs to face these trials in the correct manner to take from the example of the Prophet ﷺ, the example of the Salaf. Look at the example of the Salaf and the Sahaba and the Prophet ﷺ himself, what they faced in terms of the trials and the difficulties. And a person when he compares that to his situation, he realizes that his situation is a speck, a tiny speck compared to what the Prophet ﷺ and the other messengers and what the companions they faced from the mushrikeen and the disbelievers. So this is a great hadith, the Shaykh says, and a great advice to us from the Prophet ﷺ uh, that uh, we all are required to understand and to benefit from. And that, inshaAllah ta'ala, is where we'll conclude today's lesson with that particular hadith and that particular advice. And next time, inshallah ta'ala, from next week, at the same time, 7.30, inshallah, we'll begin the next hadith regarding uh, the statement in Al-Bukhari, if you have no shame, then do as you please. So what does this hadith mean? 
What is the benefit of that? Why did the Prophet ﷺ mention this? That what occurred to the people before them was, what was said to them was, that if you have no shame, then do as you please. What are the benefits from this? And how should a Muslim behave? Then inshaAllah, we'll speak about that next week in the lesson at 7.30. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين